What's up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? This is Austin Cunningham coming at you once again this week with the Justin Treese and the Riley O'Brien. There's not a lot for us to talk about today. There's not much news coming out of the NFL. But the one snig bit that did come is Baker Mayfield. And Treese, I believe this is the reason why you and I kind of have an issue with him is because of how much he runs his mouth and how little he's been in the league in proving anything. But it's what we saw in college. It's what Colin Coward has talked about. It's what Colin Coward has stressed about. And it's coming to light here with his teammate, Duke Johnson. For those of you unaware with the situation, Duke Johnson was put on the trade block last year. Three months go by. He then requests a trade. So once he's on the trading block, he goes, hey, if you're just going to have me sit here, just make something happen and trade me. Let me go somewhere where I'm wanted so I can play ball. I don't know what who came out first. I think it was Freddie Kitchens that did it. Therese, if I'm wrong, let me know, please. Freddie Kitchens came out and said something along the lines of, well, he's here to play football, and he's, you know, we're going to use him to the best of his abilities, and we're going to make it happen with Duke Johnson while he's here. Then comes Baker. I understand he's the new face of the Cleveland Browns. He's the guy for them. He's given that team hope. He's given that city and their fans hope. But there's no need to say anything on this subject because he comes out and says, and this is not quote, this is just basic what what he said. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. We have who we want, and we're going to make the most of it with whoever's here. Trees, please fill in the holes that I may have left, and then let me know your thoughts as well, please. You basically hit everything that I was going to talk about, and you're right. This is our frustration with the Browns just as a whole, right? Like, dude, this guy is your teammate still. Don't go on this rant of, if you don't want to be here, get off the tracks because the train's going and blah, 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 blah. Because one, hey, buddy, you did the same damn thing at Texas Tech. So don't be acting like you've never quit on a team. Duke is saying, I'm not getting playing time. I want to play. Trade me to somewhere I can just like how you did at Texas Tech. I'm not playing because this guy, Patrick Mahomes, is pretty damn good at football. So you want to know what? I'm going to transfer somewhere else. You do the same thing, dude. And two, you're supposed to be the leader of the team. Like, you don't act like that. Act professional. Just say, hey, you want to know what? Not my place to talk about. That's between him and the organization. I'm going to let you, I'm going to defer you to the head coach. And the head coach is probably going to say, probably should say, I'm going to defer you to the GM. All I want to say here, though, is, Baker, you can't talk too much shit because here's, here's what happened, right? Everybody's very high on Baker Mayfield. We haven't been good last week on our episode, right? Here are some stats for you on Baker Mayfield last year. He went 1-5 and five against teams with winning records last year. He completed 59% of his passes, had 10 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. For anybody that's listening, that's not a good stat. So please don't act all high and mighty like you are the greatest thing when you were average as well against good teams last year. So like you have a lot of work to put in as well. The whole team does, and I... I 
he kind of was trying to say that like, Hey, we're all trying to do something here and we're all like on the same train, but like he's your teammate. It's going to be super fucking awkward if they don't trade him. Right. Like the Browns have been pretty vocal, but like they have this value for him and they're not going to give him up for anything less. And I kind of believe that that's the way Dorsey's going to go. He values players and he's just gonna be like, no, I want as many good players as possible. So what's going to like, I was thinking about this on the ride home. What, what happens week two Say Chubb goes down. Obviously, Hunt is still suspended for another six or seven weeks. What, Duke Johnson's your number one running back? You're going to go into a huddle with him, look him in the eye, and be like, hey, my bad. Didn't, didn't mean that. We, we good? We good, bro? And I think you're exactly right. And just to kind of go back to where when you started, the get off the tracks, the train's still rolling. Are we douchebags in middle school again? Like, what the hell, dude? Get out of here with that bullshit. You're an NFL quarterback leading a franchise, and that's your comment? Get off the tracks because the train's ready to roll? You know what else is ready to roll? Probably those 11 fucking interceptions you threw last year. How many more are you going to throw this next season here, pal? It's so fresh. This is why I don't like him. This is why I have expressed to you guys since we started the podcast why I do not like Baker Mayfield. Because of shit like this. And, Trees, you are exactly right on the point of, hey, if we lose our, our number one running back and then Kareem Hunt's not ready to go, that's going to be awkward. Duke Johnson's not going to want to play for him. Duke Johnson doesn't want to be there right now because he doesn't feel wanted. And I don't blame him. Because I wouldn't want to be in an organization, a team, a facility where I'm not wanted, where they're ready to get rid of me at a moment's notice. I mean, that's awful. Like, that's, that's got to be, like, a sick feeling. And you don't you – don't, there's no way you're going to have any motivation to prove I'm the guy because you've already been overstepped twice. And you know where's a good landing spot for him? And I'm not just saying this because I'm a homer. The Kansas City Chiefs. Could you imagine that guy in Kansas City with Andy Reid? Yeah, it'd be awesome. It'd be so good. Eventually, this training camp – Somebody, one of these running backs that's a very quick, twitchy guy is going to go down. It happens every year. McKinnon was the prime example last year. And mm-hmm. yeah, they may trade him or the Browns are going to be like, no, now he's, he's worth more and try to get more. Dorsey's the master at winning trades. And he's like, it's kind of like the Danny Ainge of the NBA. Like he only accepts something if he feels like he fucking won it by a mile. And so I, I could easily see Duke Johnson being there and being upset because there was an opportunity for him to get traded to somewhere that had an injury and they don't trade him. And for me, I'm just like, Baker, here, here's my thought. There are a lot of players on NFL teams, every NFL team, that's obviously a backup, right? There's only 22 starters and all the backups, you know, they truly believe that they are good enough to start. If you have Duke Johnson, saying I want to be traded or I want this and you have Baker Mayfield doing this, it's going to start splitting up the team between backups and starters. Cause all those backups are going to start listening to Duke Johnson. They're on the sideline. Duke Johnson's talking to the practice squad players, right? Being like, no, we're, we're good enough to start. We're just as good as these guys. Right. And then you have Baker Mayfield talking to his buddies, Landry and OBJ. They're going to start talking to the starters and I can just see this divide that can happen, right? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but 
you open up that gate for it to be a possibility by bad-mouthing your own player. It's like a, a high school scene where the cool kids are too cool. Like, you're not cool enough to hang out with us. Oh, you think you're cool? Well, guess what? The dude probably is cool, but he's not as cool to you. So you're going to act one way in front of the really cool kids than you are in front of just the kind of cool kid. I know that's a lot of cools there, and I'm getting a little cold. But I think you get my point. <laughs> I get your point, man. I get your point. And everybody that's listening to this, I'm sorry. I bet you're so sick of us starting our episodes off with Brown's talk especially when Doug's not here, but they're the only one in the league right now that is making noise, and it's not good. It is June 5th. How do you have this much noise already coming out? I mean, I saw a video of, uh, like, get used to this connection, 6 to 13. It's a fucking slant across the middle, and the linebacker went to the wrong side of the field. Like, bro. You have OBJ in the slot at your 1 o'clock. What the fuck are you running to 10 o'clock for? Because there ain't no one else over there. And you got your corners and outside coverage. OBJ runs right up the seam, acts like he's going out. You can already tell he's not going out, but he's leaning that way. And then he slants to the inside. Baker Mayfield is like, oh, wide open. And then OBJ has to stretch all the way out for it. Wow, what a catch. Get used to this. That ain't anything impressive. Like, yeah, get excited, but damn, don't follow it up with a lot of talk. Ah, I, we start off with them because it's a shitty subject. That's what the Browns are. The Browns are shit. You're taking the Browns to the Super Bowl. You're taking a shit. That's exactly what this is. Therese, how much longer do you want to talk about this, man? One more minute, and it is that, yeah, we're going to get used to it because, yeah, they're going to probably score a lot, but your defense is going to continue to do what made that play successful. And so you're going to be in all these fucking shootouts, and with the stats that I just gave you, obviously Baker's going to improve, but if he doesn't, it's going to be a shootout. You have the ball at the end of the game and Baker's going to throw another interception. That's the way I see it. I still think that Baker can be very, very good. I just want you to be mature about it, man. That's it. That's it. All right. We're going to move on to our next segment here, which is going to be completing what we started in our last episode. We were doing quarterback tiers. We did the AFC last episode, so we're going to do the NFC. All right, so we are going to start out with the NFC East today, Austin. Let's start out with Dwayne Haskins. I'm going to assume Dwayne Haskins wins the job. I know a lot of people think that Keenum's going to start, but in the end, Haskins is going to get more starts throughout the year, so we're going to go with Haskins. Obvious, maybe kind of a dumb question here. Are we talking about what he's eventually going to be or what he's just going to be this next season? The way I've been doing it is like the next two years, right? I, I obviously for vets, I have kind of put in like, what did they do last year? Like, you know, example, but for like new guys like Haskins or when we get to Kyler Murray, I'm going to be like, okay, the next two years, where do I think they're going to be? I think he's going to be good. I mean, he has that presence he has that knowledge of being a quarterback in a good system my only concern is is the scheme going to be drawn up just as well as it was in Ohio doesn't have the weapons that he did there you know what I mean he's got he's got some guys they do have good running backs they have a decent tight end it's still Reed correct yeah okay 
So wide receiver wise, they don't really have anyone that just kind of stands out and becomes like a consistent fear for the opposing defenses. So I think it's going to take him a couple, a couple years. So going off your two year basis here, I think he'll be good. I think he's going to make some plays. I think he's going to make some throws, but this next year, if he does get that starting role, it's not like he's going to come in and just start throwing the ball over the field. I mean, he's going to make mistakes. I have a feeling he's going to miss some progression throws or some progression reads. He's going to miss those throws on tight windows. So I think these next two years, it'll be good, but it's not going to be anything impressive. And it might even be like a mix of average and good. That's not, you know, a good line of what we're trying to do here. But Haskins at good, I'm comfortable with putting him there for the Washington Redskins moving forward until they can get their young wide receivers accustomed to the NFL and up to speed and they can get everything else rolling for their offense. I, I agree with you there. I, I think that he's going to be better than the Daltons, right? Or for your case, the Lamar Jackson. But I think he's going to be in that area of the Derek, possible Derek Carrs, like a Derek Carr of last year. That's kind of like what I see him as this year. I think that the offense, I think Jay Gruden's a very good offensive minded coach. I don't think he's a good head coach, but like if he was just the OC, I think he can do a lot of good things. And so I think Haskins is going to play the ball safe. I think that he can make the deep throw when he wants. And I think that they're going to have enough in the running game. And I love Thompson, the running back, as a receiving threat that can bail him out. You brought up Reed. I think Reed is going to be great. And then they, they drafted some big wide receivers, like the bigger body wide receivers. I mean, and we got to see what Dachshund can do. He hasn't obviously done anything out of TCU, first-round pick a couple of years ago. And he needs to do something. So we'll see. But I, I, I think he's good. I really do. You, you know that I had him in the top 10 of players in the draft, and I had him as QB1 over, over Murray, so I think it would be weird for me not to have him at least good. All right, moving on, what about Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz, good. I would put him at borderline elite, but he's been too injured, so he's going at good. He has not proven anything for an entire season as of yet, and he has not been put in a position to stay healthy and safe. The play calling with Nick Foles changed dramatically, and I think that's what helped out Nick Foles, and that was a difference for that Eagles team. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. When, Nick, when Carson Wentz went down, it's like the play calling for Nick Foles got better and smarter. Instead of it just being like, hey, Wentz, make something happen out of this, it was like, Nick Foles, we're going to have an open guy here. All you got to do is hit him. Like, why weren't those plays being called for wins? So I'm going to keep this short. The moment he stays healthy and continues to make plays and continues to be Carson Wentz, he'll move up into that borderline elite, maybe elite, if he can continue to advance and grow in his play. But right now, he's good. This is another one we're going to disagree on. Wentz is borderline elite. I understand the, the injury concern. That's a real thing. But when he is playing, he's unbelievable. He is so good. and. Honestly, if he hadn't, if he wasn't getting hurt and kept playing at that level, I would have had him in elite. I so I th- I'm putting him at borderline elite. It's like I'm knocking him down that notch to borderline elite because of injuries. Kind of like how you were saying that you're knocking him from borderline elite to good because of injuries. In a sense, I'm doing the same thing, but I just had him at one tier higher than you. All right, let's move on to America's team and Dak Prescott. 
I'm going to put him at good as well. I mean, he doesn't do anything too special. He doesn't make any crazy plays. I mean, yeah, he's going to show up there at the end. But to me, I don't have him there as a guy that I don't I – don't, I just don't know. Like, I still just don't see it. I just don't get it. I don't see the consistency enough. I don't see the – this is the guy for me. I mean, I'm sure Cowboys fans and I'm sure other people see it. But for me, I just don't. So, I'm sticking with good here for me. I'm with you. I haven't as good, but he was pretty, pretty damn good once he got Cooper. Like he, he put up some numbers. He looked way better. He started moving around better, running it kind of like his rookie year. Once he had Cooper and he had a real threat. And I think that that duo or that trio, <coughs> excuse me, that trio with Zeke and Cooper and Dak is going to be dangerous this year. And we mentioned this earlier with somebody, but I could see us talking like, man, like he's too good to be in the good category, but he might be just not good enough for borderline elite. Like the, there needs to be that middle, that, that extra one, because there's, there's going to be a couple of players, quarterbacks, especially in that area next year that we're like, shit, like who, who continues to take that next step and who doesn't? Cause there's always that year. And Dak is tough, man. He's, He's, he's fun to watch, but he's also super frustrating sometimes. He misses over-the-middle throws sometimes that you're just like, oh, man, if you would have hit that open field, you got 40 yards. But then he'll thread the needle into Jason Witten, and you're just like, not very many guys have that strong of an arm to do that. Oh, man, he's a tough one. All right, I saved this one for last in the division because I didn't know what route we wanted to go. We could go Eli Manning. We could go Daniel Jones. But in the end, we probably should just loop them together and just say, Giants quarterbacks, what do we have them at? Well, I completely agree with that. Eli Manning, I said, or we said last week, I'm not going to throw just myself underneath the bus. I'm not just going to throw you. We'll both be there. Uh, We both said that Eli Manning likes to sit in the pocket, hang on to the ball, and get sacked. Immediately got a response from a great listener, a great friend of ours, and a guest of the pod, Mr. B. Olson and said, hey, he was one of the few quarterbacks that got the ball out of his hand the quickest last year. That statement's bullshit. He probably said some more colorful words than that, but we're not going to go there. So for me, I'm putting the Giants quarterbacks at average because whether it is Daniel Jones or Eli Manning next year at any point in the season, it's not going to be anything special. They have a good running back. They have a good tight end. They have an okay offensive line at times and they don't really have much at wide receiver after losing Odell. Maybe that opens up the offense to where they're not feeling pressure to just get one guy the ball and get him his numbers, but you're just not going to see much out of the Giants receiving core or anything out of their quarterbacks because they don't have that difference maker there anymore. So for me, it's going to be average, and it's not going to be anything impressive. Sure as hell ain't going to be borderline elite, and I don't even want to use the next you know, documentation level that we've been using because they don't belong in the same sentence as that word. Yep. I really want to add on to that, but you kind of hit everything that I wanted to say. His only true weapon, I mean, Sterling Shepard, he's fine, right? Like he, he's, a good, he's a good receiver, and I like, I like Ingram, but he's a mismatch when he goes outside, but I don't really see him making that big of a difference in the middle. I know that some Giants fans might be like, you're crazy, but he just wasn't very good last year when it comes down to it. Average is where I got him as well. I can't, I can't argue. Let's just move on. 
Let's go to the NFC North. We're going to start out with the defending champs of the NFC North, and that is going to be Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears. Good. He made some plays. He showed his athletic ability last season, and he hit some throws. You can tell he still needs to work on his accuracy a little bit and uh, when he decides to throw the ball, so his reads, his progression. But last season, he really kind of developed into that offense. He really started to develop with Nagy, and that's going to continue to help him grow to where he might even move up to borderline elite at some point in his career. But right now, he is a pretty good quarterback for the Chicago Bears and is just good enough to keep them fighting on the offensive side of the ball in the NFC North. He misses way too many open guys. That, that's what it comes down to. That's why he's not at borderline elite or anything, and he's just good. He makes some good throws, makes some major plays with his legs, which is awesome, which is a big, big thing for him. But there are just some wide-open guys. I remember watching the videos of week one after Green Bay came back and won that game on Sunday night, and there's videos of – sorry, what? Oh, Trey Burton. Trey Burton just sitting in the middle of the end zone – like, there's literally nobody within, like, 20 yards of him. Like, on either side, right? Like, he's just wide open. And Trubisky just tosses it out of bounds. And it just can, it continued to happen throughout the year. It wasn't just one play. So, you, you can't be in that borderline elite or elite making those type of things. And he's still growing. You know, he only started 12 games in college and – He's, he's improving, and he's doing, he's doing way better than what I thought he would be. So good for you, good for Trubisky. He has a chance to move up, but the way I see it this year, next year, he's going to be in that good. All right, Cheeseheads, Green Bay Packers, the guy that cannot chug beer, Aaron Rodgers. You can't chug a beer, but damn it, he can throw a football, and he can do it pretty damn well. So this man is going to elite. I'm going to leave it at that. He makes plays. Best deep ball throw the NFL has probably ever seen. Strong arm. Can throw the ball at different angles, whether his feet are set or not set. Getting hit, throwing dimes, making plays. Aaron Rodgers, elite of the elite. He, I don't know if I've ever had more fun watching a quarterback in my life. And I know Mahomes is getting there because Mahomes is super fun. But for the last 10 years, like, it has been Aaron Rodgers. When he's on, I will, I'm glued to the TV. Just the plays that he can make with his legs, with his arms, all of his like little spin moves that he does for all of his Hail Marys are unbelievable. Like he is just so much fun. Like his like his little toss that he does, like when he's just like on his back leg, front front legs like extended, but in the air, and he's just throwing off of one leg. Like it's a beautiful sight. So He's elite, no question about it. That would put us at our my fourth elite guy and your fifth elite guy. I was thinking about this, and it's I'm thinking about taking one guy out, and I want you to try and take a guess on which guy that is. I mean, just because we tweeted about it today, I'm going to say Big Ben. No. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, just because he's been injured. Because that was my reasoning with Wentz. Wentz. Yeah, that's okay. fair. I mean, do you want to change that? Because I have a document right here, and I can change it. I mean, I'm going to leave it because I already have a whole episode out. But uh, that, it crossed my mind a couple times for sure. All right. Okay. Next up is the first fully guaranteed man in the NFL down in Minnesota, and that is going to be Kirk Cousins. 
This is pretty Mr. Good. He's going to come in with a good speech. He's going to come in with a good pep talk. He's going to give you a good, do you like that? You like that? He'll give you a good one of those. He'll give you a good performance. He'll give you a couple good throws here. He'll also give you a couple good interceptions. That's a lot of good here for a guy that's getting paid $84 million guaranteed dollars. He hasn't done anything too impressive. I do remember that when the Redskins drafted RG3, and then they came back another round or two later and go, and we're going to take Kirk Cousins. I was like, I can kind of see Kirk Cousins becoming a better quarterback than RG3. I was a young whippersnapper. I was a young buck. Wasn't going to try and call that out there because I honestly had no idea what the hell I was talking about. But I had that thought, and I'm sharing it with you guys right now. And I was right. Yep, totally agree there. I mean, he's he is what he is. He can make a lot of good plays for everybody, but he, he still struggles in some areas. And th- there's no way I could put him in the category with guys like Watson and Rivers and Big Ben for me. So he's good, and I totally agree with you there. Fourth guy in this division, uh, and that is Matthew Stafford, Riley's guy. I almost wish we had an in-between of borderline elite and good because that's Matthew Stafford. And I don't know, what, what's a term we would use there? Great. Great. Matthew Stafford is great. He just got his own subject line because he can lead the league in passing. He can bring a team back in the fourth quarter. But, man, nope, fuck it. I'm putting him at borderline elite. He has done so much in Detroit with so little. How many different offensive coordinators has he had? Uh, I don't know, but he, I mean, I feel like all of his, he doesn't like switch like every year, like Mariota. I feel like he has the same guy every, for at least two or three years. And a large part might be helped. And some people are probably going to say, well, he had Calvin Johnson. That makes a huge deal. I believe he's actually done better since they've, since Calvin Johnson's retired because he doesn't have that pressure to just get the ball to one guy in certain moments of a game. He can spread the ball around. Maybe I'm just pulling, you know, talking with my head in my ass. But this is just kind of what I think and what I believe from what I've just seen watching him play football. But the guy has an arm. When he was drafted out of Georgia, it was this dude has probably the strongest arm the NFL has seen in a really, really long time. And I was like, damn, okay, that's cool. But he hasn't had that running back. He hasn't had that defense. He hasn't had anything that will help him get up to that next level to be able to make plays. But he's done enough time and time again to prove that he does have that eliteness when the rest of his team is there to help. Maybe that knocks him down to a good in some people's eyes, but to me, he's just done too much with so little, and it continues to be you know, one of the top passers in the NFL for yardage. Let's clear that up for yardage. Right. And so, like, he had good weapons last year, though. I think Marvin Jones is really good. He had Golden Tate for the first half of the year, and Galladay is really good. I think TJ Jones wasn't a bad player. I feel like he had really good weapons. I mean, he had Eric Ebron, and just they just couldn't make it work. I don't think that's really his fault. I think that's more offensive coordinator's fault. But oh, this one's super hard. For me, this is the way I see it. If I had a chance, and you're telling me I either get – I can either have Matthew Stafford or Carson Wentz on my team. I would choose Carson Wentz. And we have I had Carson or I had Carson Wentz in borderline elite. You had him at good. 
Do I say that Stafford is just, he's also borderline elite, just not as good as the other ones? Because I, I would consider him the worst of the borderline elite guys that I have. Oh, man, this one's tough. I'm going to go, I'm with you. I'm going to go borderline elite. I'm going to do it. You convinced me. Riley's going to be happy when he hears this episode. But, man, that's a tough one. That's probably the toughest one. Because, again, the great, if we had a great area, I think that's where him and Wentz would be. I think those two, those are the two guys I'd have in that category if we went great. All right, let's move on. NFC South, we got Drew Brees, the guy that just hasn't been able to get over that hump the last two years because of two miracle plays, one by the refs, one by the Vikings. He put New Orleans on the map. It was him and uh, Sean Payton. Those two together made that organization what it is today. So where are you putting him? I mean, I was just going to go with that, and then I was going to let you go, and then I was going to give more stuff. But I'll, I'll continue going. Whatever. Let's do this. I'm going to put him at borderline elite at this point. I think that he's just not as good as Brady, Mahomes, and Rogers. And, I mean, the stats, the stats actually say he is. But I just think that there are things that those guys can do that, Bray, or that Breeze just doesn't do. And with him being a little bit older – I think that he's losing a little bit that he just didn't have anymore. Like a lot, he's a lot more short passing guy, which he's still fantastic at. I just, I'm trying to really keep that elite section very small, and he just barely doesn't make the cut for me. I completely and 100% agree with you. Just everything you said was right on point. My only difference on not having him an elite and borderline elite was due to the down years that he had. And then the level of play calling that Sean Payton gives him. The same reason that I've had with Michael Thomas being one of the best receivers is because he's drawn up in a scheme where he gets to be wide open and Drew Brees has to go, hey, look at that. There he is, wide open. Sean Payton's done it once again. Here we go. Let's roll. And so for me, it's just kind of like a when you're put in a situation like that, almost similar to Brady. But it's because those smart decisions are available for him. And it's the same way with Brees. They've just landed in a perfect situation and they're great enough to do what they do, and it bumps them up to this level of borderline elite, and winning a Super Bowl helps with that a lot. So, yeah, that's right where he is, borderline elite. Absolutely. All right, let's go down to Carolina, where we have Mr. Cam Newton. I'll start this one off. I got Cam Newton as good. I don't think that, honestly, I think that he's been good his entire year, or sorry, entire career except for his MVP year. He had one really, really good year where things worked for him. And other than that, he's been an average, I mean, above average quarterback, but he hasn't been borderline elite. Obviously, his running ability is is huge for him. But one of our first episodes when I was doing Trisavia, like I did some stats for him and you guys were shocked on how bad of a, like it was him versus Andy Dalton and they were basically identical. We have Andy Dalton at average, right? Uh, Yeah, we had him at average. So, I mean, the only reason that I have Newton at good is just because of his running ability. Um, 100%. Hit the the nail right with the hammer there, pal. Buddy old pal. Bingo, bingo. Let's move on to the next one. Nothing else I can say for that. I love it. I love it. 
let's go down to Hotlanta. We got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Good. He also probably goes in that great category right there in the middle. Maybe we should just create that because now we got three guys. He's good enough to be really good in top of the good category, but he's just not elite enough to be great on his own. You know, a lot of that's with play calling this last year. He did really, really, really good. That's three reallys. That means pretty good. It's kind of That means even kind of great, to be honest with you. But that's where he's at. I mean, he does just enough to what the team needs. He makes plays on the run if he has to. And for me, that's, that's what I like to see out of my quarterback. I like to see a guy that, you know, can make a play when he needs to, but other times, you know, he's going to make mistakes. And that's just kind of what we see with Ryan. But I've also seen him make numerous plays. And so, yeah, he's great for me. He just hasn't gotten that hump to be that huge difference maker for his team. 100% agree there. And I made a great category for us and put those three in there. So we're good. We are good to go. We've only disagreed on a few. The biggest ones are Lamar Jackson and Big Ben. That, da- that damn AFC North, man. You got to hate it. Gotta hate it. All right. The last one in the NFC South, former number one overall pick, Jameis Winston. L-O freaking L. Below average. He's going to join the only other guy that's in there, and it's his running mate on uh, pick one and two, Mariota. Below average. Not consistent. Doesn't do anything well. Has not lived up to any of the hype. Has more off-field troubles than on-field goodness. So, yeah, below average, man. I don't know how you're going to be in the NFL after this season unless Bruce Arian goes down there and just puts a freaking magic spell on your ass and has you come out on top to where the Bucks are like, yep, let's pay him a couple mil. Let's pay him a lot of mil and be our quarterback for even longer. No, absolutely. You brought up my, my point is his only hope to get into that average category is Bruce Arians. That's his one and only hope. And if he doesn't produce this year – He's gone. He'll end up being a backup somewhere for a year or two, and then who knows what happens. And he'll probably be like Bortles, who's like, I fully expect to be a starter in the NFL again. Sorry, Blake. Uh, I don't see that happening, but I love you, dude. Moving on to our last division here, which is a very fun division, and I think we'll have a lot of fun with this one. Let's start out with the rookie, number one overall pick, Kyler Murray. Um. I'm going to say average. He's got a lot to show. He's got a new head coach. He's got an aging wide receiver, two young wide receivers, several young wide receivers. I don't know who he has at tight end, but he's got a pretty decent running back. So who's he? what's he going to do? Just turn and throw the ball to David Johnson? Probably not a bad idea, but I don't think he's going to be making the plays that everyone thinks he's going to be as a rookie. He's not going to be making the same plays he made in college, that's for sure. Because Oklahoma had such wide splits for him to see windows down the field, you can't get that in the NFL. And then the health that the Cardinals have continued to show year after year, not pretty good either. So if your offensive line cannot stay healthy once again, dude, you're screwed. You thought Josh Rosen was bad there before Arizona Cardinal fans or Arizona in general? Man, wait till Kyler's there and he can't see nothing. That's going to be hard to do, man. Exactly. And – one thing that a lot of people don't know is the hashes are wider in college than in the NFL. 
And why does that matter? Because you put the ball in between the hashes when you're hiking the ball. So when they're wider, you're, you have a lot more room to split guys out, like Austin was saying. So, yes, you're not going to be able to spread them out as much as you can in college. Yes, you still can. You can still find ways. There are very smart offensive coordinators that figure out ways. But it's not going to be the same. I'm going to go with average as well. And I find it a little disrespectful that you think Nick Foles is in the same categories as him and the Giants guys and Andy Dalton. But, I mean, I won't hold that against you for too long. All right, moving on here. Let's go with your MVP guy in Jimmy G. Jimmy G. He's going to go right there in that great category. Hasn't been healthy long enough to show anything, but he's been just good enough to go, hey, you're the, fran- you're the guy of this franchise. You're going to lead us. You're probably going to win MVP. You are about to bring us back to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City after Patrick Mahomes' great homecoming performance or home homecoming debut, I guess you should say. Jimmy G is going to be great because he has that experience um, playing with the Patriots under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and he's going to the 49ers Shanahan, or he is with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. He's got weapons. He's got a great play caller, and he's smart enough and strong enough to do the damn thing. So Yeah, he's going to be great for me, but he's got to stay healthy, and he's got to prove it for a whole year, not just six games. I'm going to have him in good because of the injuries, because of it just hasn't proved enough. Even even two years ago when he led the Niners to that 5-0, and 6-0 record at the end, his stats still weren't as good as I had hoped. I think it was 11 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I think it was like 61% completion. I mean, it's he has, he has the chance to be great. He has a chance to be borderline elite. You can see it in him, but he has to stay healthy, and I just want to see it in longer spans. So I think at the end of the year, you could easily see ask me again, and I'd say, yeah, he's great or borderline elite. But as of right now, I got to go with good until he proves it to me. These two are fun. I saved these two for last on purpose. All right, let's go with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, elite. Yeah, I said it, elite. He's won a Super Bowl. He makes plays. He puts the ball in places where his receiver can catch it. He drops the bread right into the bread basket every time. It's a beautiful ball. He makes plays where you think it's over, and it's like, why? It's like those no, no, yes, 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 yes plays. Where it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, my God, he did it. And now it's like he did it again. Like it's Russell Wilson. It's what he does. And there's a reason he's the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL right now because he has shown to do that over and over and over. And honestly, through that list, besides Mahomes and Rodgers, I don't see any of those other guys doing what Russell Wilson has continued to do year in and year out, especially when people are counting them out and they somehow still find a way to win 11 or 12 games. 100% agree. Russell Wilson is elite. I've thrown out stats about how much he means to the Seahawks, like what percentage. It was like 90-something percent of touchdowns were because of him. He was involved in it. You earlier, you mentioned that Aaron Rodgers was the best deep ball thrower. I personally think Wilson is way better than he is. I think that Wilson has that ability, and it's, I mean, him to lock it is just so dangerous. It's unbelievable to me. And, yes, he is elite. Early in his career, I was a huge Wilson hater. I really was. 
And it was the moment the defense took a step back and I saw what he was doing. I was like, fuck, okay, this, this kid is good. Like, he's awesome. I still don't really like him off the field, not going to lie. He, he kind of bugs the shit out of me. But on the field, I'm a fan. Now for my prediction for MVP this year, Jared Goff. Where are you going? Yikes. Uh, he'll go right there in that great category. I mean, he's done enough to prove that he's good. He's been to a Super Bowl, but I think we all are going to know why. He's got an MVP caliber running back. He's got good receivers. He's got good coaches, and he has one hell of a play caller that tells him where to throw the ball half the time. Yes, I think that's kind of lessened as the year or as the season went on this past year, but I do think a lot of it was Sean McVay going, hey, this is what they're in. This guy's going to be wide open here. Two seconds, boom, there he's going to be. And Jared Goff's like, holy shit, all i got to do is throw it. Where's the sunrise? Where's it, where's it set? Dur, 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 dur. I'm Jared Goff. So, yeah, he's going to be great. Just good enough, but not, not elite. I, I love how much you apparently hate him, but you're all over the Jimmy G bandwagon. Like, like Jimmy G has Belichick and now has Shanahan. And like, but Goff, it's not okay for him to have, have a head coach like that. I'm honestly, I'm fine with great. I, I really am fine with great. Uh, I, I think at the end of the year, we're all going to be talking borderline elite with him, but I think that he's going to be great. And I still think that that wins an MVP for him because I think he's going to put up the stats. I just really like Goff. I like him as a prospect. I think that he has every tool in the shed. And I just think that I just think he's good. All right, everybody, that is our episode. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back next week. And tonight we've been talking football.